The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm so debt. worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Greetings, hello, and welcome. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on 610 WTBN. I'm your host in studio tonight, Tony Payne. On the phone with us are John Sestina and Tyler Cook. All of us are certified financial planners. We're having fun this evening talking about the positive, perhaps, of all the things going on that Americans seem to be saving more. Well, if we're saving more, what should we do with it? And certainly we know there is a little thing called an election upcoming. We'd like to bring some facts, some sense to this a little bit to try to calm us a little bit, hopefully, with some facts. So before we get into all that good stuff, how are you guys tonight? I'm doing great. Wonderful, yeah, thank you. Got the door open, hoping for the birds to sing in the background so you get some music. I love it, John. I never thought you'd be one to sing to nature. Are you out there, you know, hanging laundry and stuff? No, I just have my doors open. All right, all right, fair enough. And and Tyler, I, I heard you were doing well. Anything new in the Cook household these days? Yeah, just adjusting to, you know, this new life of uh, working from home and running a daycare and, you know, all the same things. But running that's a day- not to you, what you, you talked about some of the positive things with all this craziness. I, I will say that with having a six-month-old, you know, born on John's birthday, ironically, back on St. Patrick's Day, uh, till now, right? We're about six months in, and it's been really neat to be able to just do meetings and conduct my business and then step away for five minutes and play with him and, and spend time with him, whereas, you know, he'd be at daycare under most scenarios. So that has been a, a silver lining that we've been able to adapt and, and enjoy that time that we otherwise wouldn't have. I love it. That's a positive. That's a positive. John, I know you've talked a little bit about your spending habits and getting back out there and venturing into restaurants and stuff. Do you think you've noticed your savings peeking up through this or spending about the same? Well, I'm old, Tony. I've got to keep saving. My goodness, just because you're quote-unquote retired doesn't mean you can't keep saving. I love it. You know, I'm living on coupons. After all, I'm an old white-haired guy crippled living on a fixed income, so i got to watch it. Hey, that's a good perspective, John. Again, I think that's one many people should have, really. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I like it. Uh, well, we went through and we mentioned here that through the pandemic, we've seen some numbers show up regarding savings. So I was going to ask this trick question to you, John, but now I'm going to switch to Tyler here. Tyler, is it a good thing or a bad thing that Americans are saving more? That's a, it's a conflicted answer, right? Because from a financial planning standpoint, you know, we preach save, 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 have your emergency fund and so forth. So it's a very, it's a tough one. It's a trick question. Yeah. I mean, for perspective, we saw a survey out that said about 45% of Americans say they're setting aside more money than usual. So that's a fairly high number. And then when we look at the overall savings rate, it's ticked up to about 17%. And for context, before this, about the previous 10 years before COVID, there was a savings rate of about 7 8%. So it has over doubled. And for a short period through this, it even went as high as 33%. So again, we've never seen people saving more. 
Now, certainly there's differences in who's able to save, who isn't. Uh, but the idea of what should you do with that savings is why we want to talk here today. So uh, interest rates. I mean, we think about putting money in a savings account. John, are you earning a lot in your savings account these days? <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, banks uh, like the Huntington are putting out advertisements suggesting that they have a switch fund. You put your money in your checking account, and they'll automatically put it into your savings account. But the returns seem to be quite low, so you may be frustrated with that, and you may start moving over or going back to high-yield bonds again. That makes sense. Makes sense. Tyler, I know you mentioned it. You've got a new addition to the household through this, so it may not be apples to apples, but have you noticed much in the way of your spending and savings changing? Uh, well, before that, another comment on just the, the reasoning behind you know, savings rates. And obviously, a lot of that came from the stimulus checks. People save that. Again, that's, again, conceptually, it's a great thing, but to the economy, maybe it's not so great because the whole point was for that money to be spent to boost productivity and, and the GDP numbers. So, uh, I think that's a – we'll see how that plays out. It might be too soon to tell. But and other people might be taking that money and you know, paying down their, their mortgage quicker. There's, you know, there's a lot of things that people can do with it, but it's nice, I think, from a financial planning standpoint to hear that people aren't just going out and blowing it on you know, a night out, which maybe that's the opposite of what the intention was you know, right. from the government in terms of boosting spending. So, that, that, again, that's a tough one. But in terms of interest rates and uh, spending and so forth, you know, it's about a year ago – Money market rates were what two percent roughly in an online savings account world, and uh, you know your, your typical bigger banks were, were giving you maybe a tenth of a percent, you know point one. So that's changed obviously with what's going on and what's happened with interest rates, and, and the Fed has clearly forecasted you know they're going to they plan to keep interest rates low near zero is what they say, you know, until 2023 was the last report that I saw. So that would indicate that savings accounts with uh, normal banks, online banks even. Are still going to be lower, but remember, you remind yourself of what the goal is, right? The goal of that saving account is not necessarily to kick off interest. That's kind of the the kicker or the addition or, or the added value to it. But the goal is the cash, right? Cash is king. It still is having access to that, especially think about back to March till now. If you had done all the right things, like we've always talked about, it wasn't about the interest rate; it was about access to the cash. So that's the, the thing people need to keep focusing on. Right, right. That's the one thing, John, that you mentioned even, I mean, in a world where we just can't find any yield, you know, any higher interest or any rate, really, people look towards things that may take a little bit higher risk, like a high yield bond or what some might call a junk bond. But the idea is there's nowhere else really to go. I mean, is there anywhere else, John, you think of? I mean, you mentioned a good one there. Well, no, I don't I don't think there is. But that's, I think that's going to change from a subjective point of view. You know, as Bobby and I go out and uh, go to our dinners and whatever else, the traffic has become enormous. I'm so surprised. About a month ago, it was like, you know, I could walk a camel down the street and nobody would notice. But now I can barely get out of my road because of the traffic. So I think what we're going to see is those savings rates are going to go down as people become more active. That makes sense. I was, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, John. I just thought the same thing last week, and I, and I even decided back to my personal spending, reviewing last month's expenses and going through it, and I said, oh, that changed a little bit. It's back to what it used to be. <laughs> yeah, right. So that, it was very temporary, and I hope it stays that way, of course. And, of course, we've got volatility on the horizon with the election and so forth, and we'll get into that later. But I think from an uh, interest rate standpoint and from cash flow, things are picking back up. People are spending more, so you, those savings rates might – drop back down, and, and then people will forget about the interest rate piece. But again, a good plan still has that cash reserve in place, you know, no matter what's going on. 
You just said it. Their chance. What were you going to say, John? I say this is their chance to build that reserve. Right. Right. I mean, this is the idea, though. I mean, it's everything you guys have been saying. If we have a reserve ahead of time, well, yeah, maybe we still didn't have a reserve big enough for this pandemic, depending on how you were affected. But the idea is in good times, build the reserve. In bad times, you have the reserve. So if you're able to stock up or set aside something, you should be doing that regularly, regardless of what's going on in the world. Because no matter what, whether it's a personal pandemic or it's a major one across the world, you're going to have the ability to say, I can cover some of my needs. And that's so important for peace of mind through this. So that's the end goal, isn't it? Peace of mind. Oh, we love that phrase so much. And to that point, too, that's the other the other side of this. The aspect to it is if you did have to drain your emergency fund from March till now or, or it took a dent, whatever it, whatever happened, can you be disciplined now in this new environment to restructure and, and still find a way to set money aside to replenish that? Because, again, it's not it doesn't happen overnight, of course. It, it takes time, but it's really that disciplined approach that, that ends up working. See, these are good things, that discipline, that hated word out there. But darn it, Tyler, you're right. (laughs) Discipline is what does it. And again, it's easy to maybe react when things are bad or fearful. And then when things are good, it's a little easier maybe to be aggressive. And what we're trying to coach people into is find your normal, find what works for you, and try to take some of the emotions out of it. So we're coming up against a break here, but we'll continue on these topics and more talking about what to do if you find yourself with some additional savings. We're going to tweak John here in a moment about the election and get some opinions here on things. So you're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTBN. We'll be back after this break. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Greetings. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Tonight, we're talking about Americans who are saving more, what to do with that more, and then we're going to get into some other topics here as well. But as we were going through that, Tyler, those topics there are savings and trying to maybe get a little bit more. You brought up a good idea here. What was that? Yeah, well, you get the question all the time, you know, hey, my bank's offering me this interest rate on my you know, cash or my savings account. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's a limited time offer type thing. Uh, but there's a, there's a great w- website that you can use to compare all these because what actually happens is, the, especially with the online banks, they tend to jockey for position, right, as far as who's the best rate at that time. What you got to be careful of, though, is a lot of times it's a teaser rate. You know, okay, we'll pay you that rate for the first three months, and after that, if you don't have this minimum account balance and this many transactions, well, then you go back to the, the, you know, the piddlywinks, right, in terms of interest rates. So the, the, the point there is from a comparison standpoint, again, keep in mind it changes, but the website's a great website, and they update this daily. It's depositaccounts.com, accounts with an S, depositaccounts.com. And check that out. And they, they, again, they have the running list of, of the most recent offers, and that can be anything from even locally here nationwide is always one of the ones that's at the top there to something like an ally bank to banks you've never heard of. And, they, right, and they're all, look, all across the place. But make sure you're looking at something that's got FDIC insurance. right? You always want that secure protection in the background. But do recognize that these things change pretty quickly. And as I said, a year ago, these rates were at 2%, and now you're lucky to find maybe 09 or 1% would be really, really strong right now, which is crazy, but that's the world we're in. So again, depositaccounts.com. 
Well, that's a nice little nugget there. Thank you, Tyler. And for those out there who may have other questions about your own scenario, we know every scenario is different. So if you want to set up a time to talk with one of our planners and go through your plan, we'd ask you visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com. Fill out the questionnaire there. We'll set up a complimentary time to go through your plan and answer your questions, see if we might be a fit to work together. Well, back to this topic, though, of what's going on in the world and savings and investing and elections. John, I promised to tweak you. I I saw a proposal that made me think of you right away the other day. Uh, Mark Cuban, an NBA team owner, a Silicon Valley billionaire, etc., brought up this idea that the government should give every, every American, regardless of income level, so it would include himself, every American a check of $1,200 every two weeks, and the catch is you have to spend it within 10 days. Good idea, bad idea, John? Who's going to monitor that? (laughs) Well, you are, right? You know, we have these cops out there checking on masks, and now we're going to have cops out there checking on whether you spent your money. By the way, why doesn't Mark Cuban send that $1,200 if he thinks it ought to be out there? Uh, You know, anytime you give people money, it always causes a problem. Now, right now we have some people in desperate straits, but Congress is sitting on its thumbs, and they won't uh, recognize that there are people out there who are truly suffering because there is no cash flow. They're afraid they're going to lose their home or their apartment or their car, and they're sitting there arguing about how much money that they, they want to give the big city of New York or whatever it is. What they ought to be doing is saying, look, let's isolate this. There are people in need of, of help. That's what Congress is for. We're supposed to what? Oh, yeah, that's right represent our constituents. That's all those people out there who are struggling right now. So we have a Congress that's a do-nothing Congress, unfortunately, but that's really where it's got to start. And so we're coming up on elections, and people can vote, and they can make their choices so that they can rearrange Congress and the president if they see fit to uh, make this a better country. But right now, we're so caught up in so many nonsensical things that are less meaningful than the big picture, and that's really making our country struggle. I'll, I'll take that as a light no, then, on the proposal, John. <laughs> well, Mark's kind of gone over the hill. I mean, something happened to him a couple of years ago, and he's in, in my estimation, so I've even stopped watching the Shark Tank because of, of what I think he's tipped. But that's my opinion. Fair enough. Fair enough. Tyler, you, you heard the proposal there. Any any thoughts? I'll get you involved here. Yeah. It's, you know, how you monitor it, that would certainly be a question. Uh, I think from a, a strategy standpoint, it's half of the equation we talked about earlier, which was the spending, right? You want to spur the economy by spending. So that part of it makes sense. But the other part of it, just, again, breeding the, that handout mentality of, of free money type thing. Again, it's not downplaying the serious situation that we're in, but I, I worry about the long-term effects of that. Uh, feels great today, but what does it feel like in five, ten years when you got to pay for all these things? So, that that's a concern over the long run. But uh, yeah, I don't know how you would, unless the government can just you know pull it right back out of the account, uh, you know, if it's not spent, and, and that that would be a a burden just to try and monitor and and uh, you know really just make sure people are following the rules, which that's you know government has a hard enough time doing that anyway. <laughs> Social Security and all the other programs that have been around for decades, I don't think that it could throw something together like this overnight and actually have it be successful. Okay, so we'll take that as two no's and a possible maybe leaning no. This is kind of like deja vu to me, Tony. You know, back in 
around 1970 when I came to Columbus, and Bobby and I settled down here, and we, we were doing very nicely. And then all of a sudden I gave away all my investment wealth, and we had uh, no job, no savings, nothing. All we had was a car and a house with a mortgage, and we were struggling to survive. And then I became ill and couldn't work for uh, literally I was on a hospital bed for a w- about a week. Well, not a hospital bed because my partner canceled my health insurance. But nonetheless, there we were, no income, no nothing. Uh, we unplugged the refrigerator because we couldn't afford the light bill. And we were looking for how are we going to survive? How are we going to make any money? How are we going to get by? Yeah. And those were rough times for a lot of people. And we're kind of doing that again. And what's the difference in attitude? The difference in attitude in my mind is people today are saying, oh, well, I'm going to sit back and let government help instead of saying, what can I do to make it better? And you see that in some of the creative solutions that people are offering. I mean, businesses that start based on the pandemic or whatever's going on, that's terrific. So the creative juices ought to be rolling, not the send-me-money juices. Makes sense, John. Again, we've we've got to think about long-term health, too, for everyone and the health of the economy, health of the country, too. So, I mean, the more we can incentivize business and growth, the better it's going to be. I mean, you've always taught me, John, the idea of what's best for the American middle class. It's business. The more you can have stronger business, the better jobs they're going to have. Well, on that note, and again, yeah, well, go well, ahead. Sorry, Tom. one more comment on that. So I need to interrupt you there. The, I think back to you know the most recent crisis that felt somewhat like this was 2008, of course. And I remember some of the tax laws. There were other incentives that came out there, like the first-time homebuyers tax credit. Uh, certain things that came out back in that time frame that were ways to incentivize people that weren't just handouts of of cash, but they were right. incentivizing other parts of the economy. I think those work better. Uh, than than what we're talking about today with these proposals. Also, things to consider. Was I mean, this is perfect segue here. I mean, we're going to talk about the elections anyway. Let's just jump into it. Again, we all have our political beliefs. Certainly we do. And at the same time, we have to act as fiduciaries and try to teach people or help people stay the course, do what's right for them. So we put together a couple factoids to really go through and try to talk through here to say factually where do things usually go in an election year? What happens here? I mean, I think we all accept that phrasing. Oh, it's an election year. Things will be crazy. It'll be up or down. It, it'll be wild, though. And, and I think we all kind of take that and shrug. But we went through and found some numbers here that seem to suggest that's not really true. So, Tyler, just to high points here, what, what were your takeaways as you went through this research? Well, you know, as always, we compare different resources. And, again, we're not married to one particular uh, investment uh, outlook or guidance, but try to take it all in and, and kind of make our own decisions. And, um, you know, it, it varies, but the, the gist of the of each one that we've seen so far is that you know, the elections matter, of course, but not so much to your investments. You know, that's the real headline. And, um, you know, we can get into the specifics of that. All right. Well, we're coming up on a break here, so we're going to bounce out of here and come back and keep revisiting this. this is a fun topic. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTBN.
Greetings, hello, and welcome back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Tonight, I'm your host in studio, Tony Payne. My guests are John Sestina and Tyler Cook, both certified financial planners. Tonight, we're going through some fun topics of what to do if you feel like you have a little extra and how to stay the course with a great election upcoming here. So, Tyler, as we went through, we were talking some election perspectives there and come up against a break. We were having fun talking. What else is going on here in this research? Were there any patterns that we noticed? Yeah, you know, there's, there's uh, again, a reference to the Vanguard study that just came out. And, you know, they, they went back and looked in the last 120 years and even longer than that, maybe. And, and it's, it's pretty telling when you go through and look at that comparison. But what they found was, you know, the average return for a you know the typical 60-40 portfolio that you hear talked about all the time, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. You go back and look at that since the 1800s, even. That's how far back they went. The average return during an election year, which was 40 of those periods, was about was 8.9%, about called 9%. And the average return during non-election years, which was 120 periods that they measured, was 8.1%. So as I said right before the break there, you know, of course, the elections matter, but the investment, it seems to be over the long run, that's the key here, the long term, it has a minor effect. When you're in the heat of it, like we are now, it certainly doesn't feel that way. But that's why we're always, again, re-steer, redirect the mindset to focus on the long run, because, again, we'll, we'll get through this. That's, I want to reiterate that to it. Uh, the volatility, all the craziness in the world, you know, we ultimately have to get through it. Otherwise, if we don't, then none of this matters. And that's my kind of uh, take you know just very blunt take on it, but yeah. um, there's a lot of supporting stats to that. And, and again, you're looking at same thing. Fidelity did a similar study and shows the very very similar result. And they went to as far as to show you know, who could win the the president, uh, the House, and the Senate, and did a, a whole comparison of different outcomes and and whether that's good or bad for trade or for the economy or for interest rates. And so all these studies have been done. When you really, again when you really boil it down over the long run. Uh, it's it's a very minor impact. Well, John, I, I know you're not that old. You haven't been around for all these periods here, but you've been around for a few of them. Did it feel like that in the moment that they were better years or worse years? How did it feel in the moment through all these election cycles? Oh, in the heat of battle, everything looks different, Tony, as you well know. And uh, uh, I'm not sure you felt that way when you you were battling certain political things. Yeah. That's all true. Those studies are true. And I've even said that sometimes in a Democratic uh uh, a rule. There's their better return in the stock market when you have Republican rule. It's which strange to me, but uh, it did show that in one of the studies. Yeah. And so it it is. What, what's interesting is what the underlying challenges. So we've had over these couple hundred years, we've had a relatively stable number one government, and that's why our country is so successful and why people come here because we have a stable government. And that stable government is, uh, you know, ensconced in law and order. And what you're seeing at this point is we're struggling with that right now. You know, you saw Louisville last night or all these other states over the last six months or so. And so there's some instability. And what's more than that, you're hearing threats, uh, which which I think are imprudent, uh, is imprudent language, saying things about uh, what they're going to do to the other. It just makes no sense to me. What happened to the gentleman of the Senate, for example, or being uh, the honor of being a representative? I mean, th- those days seem to be gone. And so that's what troubles me more than anything is the underlying turmoil. There's an underlying cancer 
that could uh, destabilize some things, like businesses being ruled by a mob. Instead of making business decisions, they come out and, you know, sponsor some group or whatever the case may be. So things are a little different in my mind, and I think uh, uh, this is a very important election in my mind. And so depending on how it turns out, we could be in for a most interesting situation. And as I tell Bobby all the time, I'm glad I'm old. <laughs> well, John, that's why we asked you, though. I mean, you this is this is so important. I mean, everything you share so candidly, I think it's important for our listeners, though, to hear. I mean, you've been there, you've seen this, and, and you said it. I mean, sometimes the numbers may flesh out, but in the heat of battle, there's a lot of different things going on, and every time it looks a little different. And I think that's a statement that a lot of people have been making. This time looks different. This time looks different. That could be true. But as we think about volatility, you know, just the idea of how stable is the market? Is it up a lot, down a lot? How volatile is it? The other study we saw showed that normally in the lead up to an election, 100 days before the 100 days after, volatility actually goes down markedly. So, again, just the opposite of what we'd probably all think. Hey, things are getting heated up. The election's there. Now, that's not to say it'll be the same this period. There might be some odd things that happen. But at least statistically, it seems like elections call for a little calm in the market, which, again, was odd to think about. I never thought that. I was thinking about that, too, and I think that might be because people just kind of – it's a wait-and-see, maybe, approach to that. Just kind of see what happens, and they and some people just maybe stop – you know, the, the day trading or whatever else is going on, I, you know, I don't have the exact answer for it, but it seems to me that could be a reason why is people just kind of press pause and let things play out. Makes yeah, sense. And we also have to be sure not to only focus on the stock market. I mean, other markets right. are out there. There's the real estate market, and there's really strange things going on there. Uh, and then there's the energy market and so on and so forth. And there's changes like, you know, the electric car. There's changes like we're able to take rockets up again. Those are positive things, and we don't know what impact they're going to have on this whole program. All all makes good sense, John. So as we kind of wrap up this election talk, not getting too political here, but trying to bring some sense to people, a little bit of facts to go with all the talk that's out there, all the noise. You know, depending on who wins, yes, there may be some areas that are more positively affected than others. I think that's what you were just saying there, too, John. There are different markets out there. There are different things that may be impacted. So by being diverse, by being spread out, by staying the course, you know, there might be things that change with trade. There might be an infrastructure thing that comes through. Taxes might stay low. Taxes might go up. All these are different variables with different possible outcomes. So to plan and wait on just one or the other, you know, when one thing goes down, there's probably other things going up. Well, the thing we have to watch, Thomas Jefferson warned us, he said, for us to survive as a republic, we need an educated electorate. And I see that slipping, you know, too many clicks, too many one-liners. <laughs> and people ought to read the programs or the, not the programs, what do you call it, the, the um, whatever the, each party is saying they're going to do. You need to read those things because that's Platform, what they're going yeah. to do. So pay attention. Right. I think another variable at play too, which and this isn't one of the a study from Fidelity, is it, it really matters too during that election year where you know where the economy is and where, where we are in the business cycle, right? Are we still in that recovery stage? Are we in expansion? Are we on the downside and contracting? You know that that's a big piece to a lot of what's going on. And now you throw in you know global pandemic and what that's done to the economies around the world. You know that that's up for discussion too. It's, it's some people say you're back into a you know, an early phase 
right. have gone through the contraction that was the quickest retraction and recovery in history, right? As far as you look at some of those the V-shaped type recovery they talk about, I'm not sure if it's necessarily a V, but the point being, it's it's that's really a really important factor to all these other moving pieces with uh, you know with an election. I think the economies are are a bigger piece than just the stock market. That's a great point you bring up too, Tyler. We may have went through an economic cycle very quickly from recovery, expansion, contraction, all the way back up again, you know, into recovery mode. And it may be the fastest it's happened, but this is the point. We can't just react on one decision point or another. We've got to consider the whole picture. That's why you plan. Love it. Love it. Well, we're coming up on a break here. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. If you want to give our office a call, 614-326-3077. We'll schedule a complimentary consultation, see if we can help with some of your questions. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Greetings. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. I'm your host in studio tonight, Tony Payne. On the phone with me are John Sestina and Tyler Cook. All of us are certified financial planners. Tonight, we're going through what to do if you find yourself with a little bit of extra, how to feel the confidence to stay the course in your plan. So we've had a couple things going on here tonight. Tyler, one of the things we think is when you have a little bit more, hopefully you set it aside. And especially we were talking earlier about high-yield savings accounts not having a high yield at all. I'm sure people are driven to take a bit more risk than what they normally would take. Is it worth it to make it, you know, take that hot hot stock or hot investment? Is it worth the risk, Tyler? Yeah, it's the classic. It depends. And I think you've seen that here since the pandemic, you know, since March, uh, whether it's social media or other influencers who are starting to get into the market maybe for the first time and they've experienced a, a nice run up, right, since the, since the lows in March, and you, you kind of – you forget about risk or you become uh, complacent almost to, to considering what could go wrong. And in the last few weeks, you've really seen some volatility in a lot of those tech stocks, mainly Tesla and a few others in the last few weeks where there's the volatility starting to kick in. And so it's all about, it's, it's, it's just like insurance too. It's how much risk do you want to accept yourself? And what's the other side of the equation is of course the return or the reward, whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, you've got to do it in the right proportion. That's the key. And, What's your time horizon, right? How long do you have to invest? Are you are you an investor or you are are you a day trader? Right now, we've seen a lot of day traders. Fortunately, you see some really sad stories about people committing suicide and things like that. Think back to the tech bubble when you had a lot of that stuff in the in, in the late '90s. So, of course, nobody wants that, and so you've got to be disciplined with it and, and educated. And you can't talk about investing without talking about risk. So, if you're focused on the return and you haven't addressed your risk profile and what risk you're willing to accept, you're doing it backwards. Yeah, John. How do you bring up risk to someone, or what are the different types of risk that you bring up? Well, I just bring up this uh, scary photo of me when I'm mad with my hair all astray, <laughs> and say that's when you're at risk. You know, I've noticed that everyone can accept risk when things are going well, but when the bad happens, they can't handle it. So Tyler's right on. I mean, the, the key here is to recognize that certainly this year, this market has done nothing but go straight up. I mean, there was a time around March it was down, but 
so a lot of people are looking at these, uh, even advisors who are saying, you know, we make all this return or they do it with gold or silver or whatever, and everything is positive. Well, that's not the time to make decisions. You still have to adhere to the investment philosophies that fit your plan, and that's really, really paramount. So whether it's a 60-40 split up of your portfolio or, or you need to have more cash in your portfolio, you need to be more sensible. And the number one thing is to eliminate emotion from your decision-making. And when things are good, the emotion is, well, it's all good. I'm going to rock and roll. And then if the boat you know, overturns, then we have some sadness. So yeah. Risk is there in everything we do. If you put it under the pillow, there's risk there too. And what you said there, John, so key too. I mean, the idea with risk, you're going to take risk no matter where you're at, whether it's under the pillow, whether it's in the market. There are different types of risk, though, and you've got to understand that because, again, that nightmare scenario of just getting caught up in water cooler talk and someone tells you about their great return, well, you don't know the rest of the picture. You know, what enabled them to take that risk or were they just blindly taking risk and just got lucky? You don't know that side of it, so it's not all about returns. You've got to factor in the risk you're taking. Well, they blindly. The other part to that is people forget to sell. People forget to actually, you know, sell and lock in some of their gains too, right? People are really good at buying stocks, but they're not very good at selling them. Stephen Lucan talks about that all the time. (laughs) Okay, you bought this whatever investment or stock at this at this rate, and it's gone up. The question we always ask is, okay, what what price are you going to sell it at? And it's funny because we'll set reminders. Okay, you're all right. It's at this. You know, it's 100 bucks a share. What are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to hang on a few more weeks. It's good. It can't go up. It's only going to go up. You know, a little more. And you know, then of course you have volatility kick in, and that's where it's the you know, punch in the gut, and you really have a to check yourself on that one. So it's you've got to just stay disciplined with it. Uh, great returns are great, but again, you, I think if you focus on that part of it first and don't assess your risk profile and your timeline ahead of, ahead of the game, you're going to be uh, setting yourself up for failure. Right. And I know it's new slang the kids are using, but the idea of FOMO, I mean, it's, I think it's great that people put a term to it. It's the fear of missing out, FOMO. And that's yeah. what we see yeah. happen here where it's like, oh, my gosh, I, I got to keep up. I got to do what my neighbor's doing. And that fear just forces actions without research, without planning, without being deliberate. And that's where things go wrong. And, when we and think- also remember when you're talking to your buddy in the locker room at the golf club, and he's bragging about the performance of some issue, let's say stock, and he's telling you all these good things. How about six months later when maybe that stock failed, he's not talking about it anymore. So recognize when you hear these things, when someone is talking to you about you putting your money in it, they're typically you know, kind of selling you on the deal and painting it all colorfully wonderful. But recognize, as you guys have pointed out, there is risk just getting up and walking around in the morning. Sometimes that risk is greater than another, depending on what I did the day before. (laughs) You know, I went fishing this last weekend. Well, (laughs) it wasn't that liquid. It was being on the lake, and, you know, I woke up, my shoulder's all sore. I had to ask Tyler about a shoulder guy. But no, I mean, too many fish, though. eh? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But see, this, I mean, we're having fun with this, but this is the idea, right? If you can do this and be deliberate, you can plan, you can joke, we can have a little fun with this. But when we think about why people are investing, there's usually only one reason. At some point, you're going to need to take that money back out and live off of because you won't have your job, you won't have your income. So we think about goal-based investing being the way to go. And when you think about your goal, what is your goal, then you become a lot more disciplined in your approach. 
talking about financial planning? I had to bring it back there. You know, I was talking about fishing and fun stuff, but the idea of why we're here, I mean, it is. It's planning, and then you can do the fishing and the fun stuff, and you don't have to worry about it. I often think if there'd be a way to quantify, you know, how much we've helped people over the years, and certainly, John, you're going back decades, on just by telling them to stay the course through these different times, think most recently 2008, and now, you know, not shooting yourself in the foot and reacting to the fear-mongering that's out there. If you could quantify how that'd just be pretty neat to see that because you know it's substantial and obviously we don't we don't know the number but the point of being a coach that's where that's our job right we're the we're the coach of the team and sometimes that's hard that's the gut check time it's the hard conversations but you know it's the ones that stay disciplined and focus on that long run it sounds boring and I know it is but the reality is good investing is boring you've preached that for years John and it's it's never more true than now yep you know Tyler I literally did track that many many years ago and I tracked what the uh how much we save the client in the year and how much we earn the client in the year, how much we reduce their taxes, uh, so both the income and the estate taxes. When you add it all up, it was millions of dollars over the lifetime of the client. And that's a, that's just a signal of good planning will help you more than good investing. Because as you said, there were many times we went through bad times and we were just telling the client, keep your seatbelt on, you know, you're in an airplane, we're flying through turbulence, but we'll get through this. We have a good pilot, so don't worry so much. So if you have a good plan, your plane will survive the turbulence. That was confidently said, well okay. said. That's the idea. I mean, when you know what you're doing and you've done your homework, it's a lot easier to stay the course. Well, we're coming up against the end of the show here. It's been another fun week. Time's just flown by today, guys. Uh, John, were you on here for even two minutes? <laughs> All right. Well, you were. You were. Trust me, you were. <laughs> well, for those out there, again, if you have questions or you want to learn more about us, you can always visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com. We've got some helpful information there, a little bit more about us if you're interested. So with that, we'll leave you to have a happy weekend here. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.